Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 291 tonight. I am joined by comedian, writer, hot sauce baker, and voice actor, Dave Yates. Um, hey, Mike. Good to see you. Good to see you. Um, this is going to be a little bit of a change of pace from normal, which I love this kind of shit. Um, and I think you will, too. Um, so I saw a video of Dave online. <laughs> comparing fish fans and he can tell the joke in, in a few minutes but comparing fish fans to trader joe's i'm like that's that's right on the money that's exactly how i feel about it uh, especially as i get older um so and and we i sent him a message and here we are so um we're gonna talk about comedy jam bands all that kind of stuff um as well as the hippie culture and you know all those surrounding topics um before we get started, though, if you want to check out uh, Dave's stuff, I have his link all the way down at the bottom. You've got his Instagram down there, and he's a hot sauce maker. Go check out. If you like hot sauce, uh, you're making tacos or so, you just like putting hot sauce and stuff, check out hahahotsauce.com. And uh, I have yet to try it, but I look forward to ordering myself a bottle and seeing what this this concoction's all about well that that was the agreement you said you were going to buy a bunch of hot sauce there we go that's right (laughs) yeah yeah man uh that video of me ripping on fish fans uh (laughs) it's so funny because it's like i've always thought that and i've always had like these fish jokes written but like i'd never like it's hard to explain to an audience of people who's not um privy to like the fish world what that actually means uh so i uh against the uh against the suggestions of many people did a brunch time comedy show uh in denver before fish played at like 1 p.m on a saturday and everybody's like this is never gonna work no one's gonna show up everybody's gonna be too fucked up and i did it anyway and like 30 people showed up and i was able to do a lot of these jokes that I could never do in front of a regular audience. And um, I mean, dude, I'm in like denim short shorts that I had made that morning, you know, a la Bob Weir of the Grateful Dead on stage, which I never wear shorts on stage. It's like kind of like a stand up faux pas, you know? Uh, So I, I just, I did the set and it was a great time. You know, I made enough money to cover me being out there seeing the band and make a little extra and uh and i just caught up that joke just for like just for fun and i threw it out there and i had no idea it was going to blow up like i've had things do well before but like i never had anything go quote unquote viral which was like friends of friends were like hey two strangers that don't even know you sent me this so that felt kind of cool because it's like, you know, it's just something I think is funny and I'm glad it it brought a lot of joy and anger 
to a lot of people. <laughs> well, it la- it landed, so like that's why I got yeah. around because because that's like true for for me especially, and I can't speak for everybody I know, but a lot of people I grew up with. I mean, we've been into fish since 96, 97 and, you know, seen them for a long time. And the scenes got kind of, you know, become a little parody of itself at times. And uh, um, just to be able to, like, make fun of some of that stuff with people that have that, like, inside knowledge is, is fun sometimes. Right. It's a very niche genre of joke. Um, but, you know, I've been a stand-up comic for 13 years and... You know, I have an album up on Sirius XM. Like, it's how I make my entire living, plus selling the hot sauce uh, after shows. Uh, so to have something do well, uh, it feels good. It feels very validating when a lot of the time, you know, you're plugging away at this business and, you know, you're throwing clips out into the universe that are good jokes that you've worked really hard on and they're getting a big response from audiences all across the country. And then you throw them out into the, into the internet and then you get 300 views and it, it, it can make you feel uh, discouraged as to your, your worth or your abilities. So. Yeah. You're just out there urinating in the ears of the audience, right? We have just out there being the comedic tray. Um, I, I don't even know who, who would be that, but yeah. Like, what do you mean? Carrot top, obviously, bro. Like, yeah, well, that's true. (laughs) I mean, say what you want about carrot top. That motherfucker has got like a warehouse full of props and shit. Like I've never seen him. I remember seeing him like 10 years ago and be like, that dude got ripped. He was like jacked. I'm like, holy shit. This yeah, because he got tired of people shitting yeah. on him. So he's like, I'm going to get fucking I'm just going to beat people up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's got one of the longest running shows in Vegas, you know? So it's like, I mean, at the end of the day, entertainers in general, and you could, you can relate maybe from the music side of things, we're just trying to feed ourselves making shit that we like and that makes people happy at the end of the day, you know, like I don't, I mean, I'm sure there's some people that make shit to piss people off, but like, I, I honestly just hope that it reduces the, uh, the, the amount that people take themselves seriously in something, which is a luxury item, which is seeing a jam band where the tickets cost $80, (laughs) you know, like, don't take yourself seriously. Oh, bro. Uh, I remember the days 30, 35, do that. that. <laughs> I remember when fish tickets cost a nickel. <laughs> yeah. No, I do remember when Umphreys was super cheap, though. I did. I was seeing Umphreys pretty early. Now, they're still Especially not really. Especially if you spent, yeah, if you spent time in Chicago. Yeah. Um, Actually, I've seen more Umphreys shows than I have fish shows, to be honest. I've always had a good time at um, free shows. They're not they're not necessarily my bread and butter live music experience, but uh, every time someone's offered for me to go or it's been convenient, because you got to remember, like I perform when all these bands perform, you know, which is like nights and weekends. So my show count isn't as high as the next person because I'm usually working. So the fact that I've been able to book brunch time comedy show uh and i got another one coming up in chicago uh saturday at 1 p.m at on tour brewing this coming saturday um it's like it's nice because i get to do two things i like to do stand-up comedy and go see fish yeah that's awesome um yeah i mean in terms of like 
did you get into the jam scene first or did you get into comedy? I mean, obviously everybody like makes jokes and stuff, but did you consider becoming a comedian before you got into the jam scene or like what came first? Um, I, I mean, I guess I would say like, I've been listening to the fish since I was 15. So like, I guess that came first. Um, but I was already a stand-up comedian when I started seeing live shows. Um, because my trajectory is, you know, I became a fucking low bottom alcoholic drunk piece of shit. And like none of my friends at the time, uh, uh, saw went to fish shows like i lived down the street from uic pavilion while they were there it's just like i was just drunk and going to college and like didn't have anybody that was into that shit so it just kind of sat in the back of my mind as something i've been into since i was 15. and then when i got sober in 2012 i started seeing shows again like i started getting involved in the yellow balloon groups you know, like every jam band has like a sober following. Um, and, you know, when I got out of rehab, I went with uh, a friend of mine who's a big deadhead. She had like eight or nine years. And uh, I went to a music festival with like 34 days sober. And she showed me how to enjoy, you know, this world sober. And I've never looked back, you know. Um, you know, like I, like I started seeing Panic and, you know, Mo, And I went to Umphreys and stuff. Like, and I... I, uh, I got to start going to see fish at, in 2014, I think. Now it's like, that's insane. Like I've lo- like, I love this band since 15 years old, but I didn't get to go see them until like I sobered up, which seems counterintuitive. No, for, like the, that's the that's number normal. one drug band. Well, no, <laughs> no, no, that, that's normal. So like, um, my co-host Maurice, who's now popping in and out when he can, he's my cousin in real life. We were actually in the same grade, went to the same high school, into the same stuff, in a jam band together in high school, uh, loved fish. So we, our parents idiotically let us go to, uh, when they came back from their first hiatus in 2002, I think it's since it, those two, it went from Allstate to the two Cincinnati shows. Those were our first shows. So that's 2002, I think it was like February, um, was that before Trey got sober? Uh, it was after their hiatus. Yeah, I don't know his timeline. So, of the... so, so it was post like Coventry, where like they're playing sloppily and crying on stage in the mud. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so there's oh no no that was before that actually let's here let's pull it up I actually I, I went to It Festival which was our senior let's year. Let's go to the tape, Mike. We we. <laughs> We don't need other 1.0 fish fans giving you shit about when you started. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't even care about any of that stuff. That's why I stopped going. Neither, neither do I. Well, um, neither do I. Like, that's why I'm making jokes about it. Because it's right. such a fucking... It's an easy button to push. And it's like, most people can laugh at themselves. Right. And some people have made their entire identity seeing this even if that's the, the case though point. like i know people that are like the biggest fans that can like laugh about all this. like that's what i'm saying like who are these people that are right. getting mad are you fucking dumb like what what is going on it's mental illness at what it boils down to on some level it's if you can't see that what i'm making okay number one is making people happy or number two you might not like what i do and that's completely your right but like some people in the comments and this is not even just jam it's like it's comedy in general like not funny 
when it's like there's an entire audience dying laughing. Like I understand if I was so oblivious and posting a clip of me bombing, but like you're choosing to ignore like like that clip, like 620,000 views and like 10,000 likes. Like, so you're saying I'm not funny to you, right? Like, and that's... Well, like you said, I mean, with with the niche stuff, though, too, you have to like, so I'm familiar with all that because of all the fringe topics we talk about on this podcast. So like you would think because it's so niche, they'd want to just have somebody talk about it, whether it's a joke or whatever. But that's actually not the case that I find like the people are like very protective of it, too. Um, Yeah, fucking what it is. And I I think it and I I just use this phrase uh, all the time but i think mark Marin is the first person i heard quoted saying it it's just it's a bunch of unfuckable hate nerds it's literally all you have is fucking hate and, and the thing you like and it happens in other nerddoms too like i started watching anime at the beginning of the year because i'm doing like intense therapy and watching anime is very soothing to me and like I've got gatekeeping ass fucking neckbeard nerds going, well, that anime is not blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, man, I just I just enjoy this thing, and I'm just telling people about it. You hey, know? man, yeah, you're you're gonna get that that hate. Uh, I, um, yeah. So just I mean, so I, you know, timeline, just just to, to yes, to okay, v- validate your fishdom. So that was August of 2004. So. Um, yes. That was so you after, started right before. So I, I started, I, so, I mean, I started listening to him like 97. I remember sitting in my cousin's old Honda Accord in his driveway when I was like 13 or something, and we had just blazed up. And uh, he's playing uh, way off a rift, and I'm like, this is bizarre, but I kind of like it. Let's listen to more. Yeah, you know, that's, and a, the, that's a classic. Um, and then that, yeah, that got me into the whole thing. And then we became, I became into music. Like I got a guitar, I started playing like, heavily like we started jam band in high school um yeah man they got me really into it but the so we started in 2002 it festival was 2003 i also went to bonnaroo in 2003 and then coventry was 2004 i did have friends go and i'm glad i didn't go (laughs) and my one friend like had to abandon his old ford piece of shit and just like left it in the mud so yeah that yeah i mean I, I, I've been listening to fish since I was 15. I worked at a skateboard. I worked at the skateboard station in this hippie stoner store that was trying to keep up with the trends. It was in Orland park, Illinois mall. And I got hired at 15 to put together skateboards. I had to go get a, a permit and shit. And at that time, like they were big deadheads and they were trying to cram the grateful dead down my throat. And like, I've always been averse to people like forcing me to enjoy stuff. So I, I just, I grabbed a fish live CD and like, I was also into guitar at the time and I've been playing for a couple of years at that point. And there was a lot of music I would just listen to because of the guitarist, you know, like, um, uh, like Steve Vai or, uh, like Paul Gilbert was in a band called Mr. Big and their like big hit was like some kind of like to be with you acoustic bop oh yeah but, like he was a he was oh, a yeah, shredder I know. I know and i was Paul i was a van it, halen yeah. guy i was uh eric, you know eric johnson joe satriani so eric van johnson's Halen's. i he's really good i don't I, those virtuoso guys are not my favorite but i do appreciate eric johnson and i've seen he's him all got, live, I, too. 
I mean, Eric's got, I think, the best tone ever. Like, yeah, his just... his his signature Fender is probably. I I'm more of a GNL guy. I do like Fender guitars, but his signature Fender is probably one of the best signature Fenders for that price range. Right. Definitely. Yeah, and that's you know I had a uh, I just recently rebought it, uh, but I had a, a, a Gibson SG Special. It was like a gunmetal gray sparkle, and I pawned it in my addiction to go see uh, a music festival at Nelson Ledges in Ohio. Uh, it was like Grateful Fest. Yeah, I've, I've so, heard of like, that before. I, I've never been, but I've heard of it. Uh, it was a great time. Yeah. And it's just like I never got it back. So like a couple of years ago, I put it out into the universe trying to get it back. And I found some kid selling an 88 version, same color, same everything and like a little bit of like uh finish checking but you know it's it's a it's a maybe it's an 86 even the guitar is as old as i am but we could probably that could be a whole different conversation i actually i used to work at the uh if you don't know if you know the guitar center in highland park Mm. (laughs) i used to be the guitar guy there um but uh yeah the only guitar i regret selling is a gnl uh gold sparkle and i sold it to the halstead guitar center Mm. I uh, maybe I can't recall which it was, but my guitar teacher at the time, he was always in those guitar Mageddon contests. And uh, this motherfucker had perfect pitch. So like you could drop a quarter on the table and he would tell you what note it was. It was very annoying. Yeah, that's good. But the same thing, I would, I would bring in the fish and I'd be like, here, teach me how to play this. And he'd be like, listen to it a couple times and then play it instantly. And it's, but yeah, like it's always just been, you know, up until like up until the last 11 years of my life, it's always just, it was always in the back of my head as something I enjoyed, but never told anybody about. But then getting sober and then plugging into like the recovery jam band scene, you know, like I've worked volunteer sober tables at Panic and Mo and Umphreys and Fish, uh, you know, and uh, it's just, it, it was a nice way to gain community in an environment that for all intents and purposes is, is quote unquote dangerous for addicts and alcoholics. And I throw air quotes up because it's like I go yeah. everywhere and, and I don't, I don't begrudge anybody. I mean, does. I think it depends on, on the person. I have friends that they can never touch anything ever again. And then I have other friends where it's like, they used to do crazy shit and now they're like, yeah, I just smoke weed now, or I'll just take psychedelics occasionally, you know, oh. whatever. Yeah, I'm I'm not an alcohol guy personally. I don't understand it. I don't like the feeling. I don't like the buzz. I've had alcoholism on both sides of my family, so I guess I'm priest, right. which is weird. Normally you're you're like, you know, drawn to it, but for some reason it gives me really bad migraines. It's just not worth it. Yeah, um I am a, a big proponent of harm reduction for people. I am not a person that could do anything. I'm just not. So, like when I say I'm sober, I'm sober. Like I haven't touched a drink or a drug since April 23rd of 2012. And congratulations. You know, know, (laughs) uh, I think it's more of a feat when you meet like an 80 year old man who drinks like a quart of whiskey brand whiskey a day. Like that to me is more of a feat than this dipshit stopping at 25, you know? Um, But that's, yeah, I'd, I'd much rather someone smoke weed than bang dope. Like it's, it's a, it's anybody who thinks that, uh, is 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 crazy however just for me and for other people like me 
you know, like I don't get bonus chips for recruitment. I just try to live my life in such a way that if I didn't tell you I was sober, you wouldn't know, you know, like I just kind of carry myself as an example of like a life of freedom. What do you think you know? about all the like, because obviously these two worlds collide, you know, uh, lot culture, hippie culture, psychedelics go hand in hand. And then you have, you know, this addiction stuff. And now they're using and having success with mm -hmm. like ibogaine and different uh, analogs sure. like tabernathalog, which isn't even psychedelic. Yeah. It's like a, uh, you know, uh, psycho or a non psychoactive compound that they've taken out of there. Other stuff like that. But like, what do you think about that? Um, I will preface this by saying, number one, not a doctor. So if you're approaching, no, no, yeah, no, we're not. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm only, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. only saying this because the four people that are watching this, you that's know, already been, like yeah, that's that's just for these people though. Minus, we've always given the disclaimer many times. Yeah, uh, but two, I only speak for me. I don't speak for anybody else who's sober. Um, you know, this is just my opinion. I, I would love to reduce suffering in the world. And if you've ever tried to help an addict or an alcoholic, uh, you know, it's, it's hard and it's the worst. And so if people are with the aid of a doctor able to mitigate their mental illness and their suffering, because quite frankly, most people that are addicts and alcoholics, I wouldn't necessarily say are hundred percent addicts and alcoholics. I think they're just treating mental illness with substances because our healthcare system is so fucked. So like, you know, if you've got treatment resistant depression and, and ketamine trials, you know, in a safe environment with professionals, not fucking teacup the wook on lot, uh, please investigate what's best for you. Like I want you to live whatever life gives you the most mental and physical freedom and peace, you know, like my yeah, goals at, yeah. at this juncture is just, I want to feed myself making things that make people happy. And I, and, and I want inner peace. And some, some of us have chemical imbalances where inner peace is not achievable unless it's treated correctly. And I don't think medication is a cure all by any means, but you know, to be someone who is in recovery to go, no, I'm going to suffer because I'm an addict or an alcoholic when I'm, and I'm not going to see where, where doctors and scientists are right. That's just ignorance. You know, uh, I've listened to many different recovery podcasts and read articles where, you know, people that have been in recovery for decades are having to rethink their stance on like having 15, 16 year old kids with severe treatment resistant depression in, in rehabs. And then they go through the ketamine trials um, and they notice a significant difference in these people's well-being. It's like, you'd be a fool to not explore every option available. Um, you know, because just because I'm an addict and an alcoholic, like if I go break my leg, like I know I used to gobble down opiates sometimes when they were available, but I, I'm not gonna go and suffer in pain because I hadn't like I had a proclivity to getting fucked up. Like I'll take the medication as prescribed by a doctor and I won't take it if I don't need it. It's accountability. So like, but that's a whole different conversation. Like I think we know more now than we ever knew. And plus when I was out there running and gunning, like I never did DMT uh, like an addict. I mean, I did enough of it, but like, 
it was really just to talk to fucking God or have some kind of connection, which I think is why a lot of people use drugs in the first place is to just try to connect to the void or something that's missing within themselves or, you know, the jam band scene or jam music in general, the Grateful Dead is a sense of community with other weirdos. I don't look at the jam band scene or the Grateful Dead or anything that's popular as anything different from church or, uh, you know, philosophical modalities. Uh, Cause you're just trying to get through, as Prince said, we're all just trying to get through this thing called life. And if, if, if ketamine or psilocybin uh, under the guise of a, of a professional is what you need, then fucking do it. Awesome. Yeah. We're, that's my philosophy. We've talked about it a million times. I have OCD. I was treatment resistant as all the stuff you're mentioning. Uh, psilocybin. I've always had a connection with this compound. Um, but it's, it's about what you said, you know, more tools in the toolbox, whatever works. Does conventional medicine work? Yeah. Does therapy, CBT, it's, it's, whatever it is, whatever helps you, you gotta, you know, you gotta try it all. You know, well, so. and, and like when I was when I was a boy, uh, second grade, I would get in trouble a lot for being too talkative, and like that, you know, this is the '90s, and they slapped me on fucking Ritalin, which is essentially meth. You know, yeah, I was and I was like, put on Ritalin too. I had supposedly ADD or whatever, so right, and like with no recourse or adjustment. So like I'd be laying in bed at night, staring at the walls as a young boy, like not being able to sleep. And I would listen to the radio at night with my little headphones to, cause my brain was just jacked, you know, so that when I found drugs and alcohol and realized that I could slow my fucking brain down, that's what I did. Now, does that, did that make me an alcoholic? I don't think it helped. You know, I don't think it helped. Like I don't blame anybody for the trajectory of my addiction, but you know, I'd be lying if if I said I, I I think it had a part in what happened. You yeah, know? and that's why, like, for over a decade, for me, like, I you know, being in twelve step recovery programs and going to therapy, I just did you know, uh, there for me there was just a hump I couldn't get over. So, like, uh, you know, for the past six months, I've been taking low dose antidepressant and low dose non-amphetamine ADD treatment. And I still feel feelings and I'm able to, to work through a lot of uh, trauma shit in therapy that I'm doing um, without completely shattering my day to day. And am I going to be on it forever? I don't really think in terms of that, but it's, it's allowing me to focus, read books and, you know, and just really try to heal, like do a lot of healing. You know, and that's for me, you know, like I investigate as an addict and an alcoholic, I investigate ways to heal that might take a little bit longer. Like I'm into the I'm into the the, the slow cooker healing, uh, not the instant gratification, which is what I use drugs and alcohol for. Not everybody uses that for that reason. Like, you know, there's, you know, um, Native American tribes that, you know, do, do sweat lodges and and uh, ayahuasca and things like that. I, I, I honestly think it's just such a fucked time to be a human, but it's also a really beautiful time. So it's that juxtaposition. Like we are, we have the most access to information and science that we've ever had. And it seems like we're the dumbest we've ever been. <laughs> yeah. It's because people want to deny what's right in front of them, you know? And so, I mean, that's a whole different, 
Yeah, I mean, we. That's can a whole different. Rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, um, but anyway, so um, so you you get into fish, you you start doing comedy. Uh, what you live in L.A. right or outside of L.A.? Yeah, when, I live just outside of L.A. When did you move from like the Chicagoland area out there? About seven years ago. So years it was ago. like I was, yeah, I was like uh, twenty nine, going on thirty, and um, you know, at twenty nine, I saved up for an entire year because I was already working uh, clubs and casinos and shit in the Midwest. I was touring and had a day job. And, you know, there was a ceiling where I was. So, like, I just, you had to pick a coast. And so I picked L.A. because I knew more people and fucked the winner. So I moved out here to keep pushing, you know. And, um, you know, everything shut down in 2020. So, like, that was a big hiccup for a lot of things. But, uh, you know, I, I've been very lucky to be one of the very small percentages of people that continues to work as a stand-up comedian. Um, and there's no limit in LA. And this last year, I've been going to New York City more and getting my foot in the door at some of the uh, clubs out there. Um, but, you know, like I'm trying to stay off the road. Like, like 37 is not old, but I'm not a young man anymore. You know, at 27, sleeping in the backseat of my car to get to a gig is feasible. At 37, it fucks you up for a day or two. Whether you we like need to it get you on. What's that uh, YouTube uh, hot ones? We need to get your hot sauce on there. I, uh, a friend of mine at the comedy store was like, Hey, I know Sean, you should get on hot ones. I like, yeah, Brian, you should definitely, no, no, dude. you got to do some, to you got to do some like crazy shit. You got to like, when they get their shipment of hot sauce, you got to switch out one of the bottles and then have, have somebody reveal it at the last second and be like, actually. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm one hand. I've been doing comedy so long that I'm one hand away from anybody that you like in comedy you can name any comedian i've seen you on on the the playbills with like adam ray uh who i've seen many times on different podcasts he's great he's so funny yeah that was a great show is at the hollywood improv like i'm not famous but i'm just as good as a lot of these comics with with big followings and you know like it's just again like i don't want to be famous per se i just i just want to live comfortably like paying my bills and eating not dude i think you found it bro there's enough hippies when growing up when i was when i was in like high school there what you could have never made a living doing what you're you're doing right now but there's so many people that are into like dead in company and like oh yeah all sorts of shit like even just besides like the normal people the heads that have been into the shit forever but just like now it seems like it's more popular than ever so i feel like your niche could really take off well, and, and, and don't get me wrong. I've been plugging away at chucking clips consistently since 2021 and just just trying to keep my head down and, and just do the work. And so, like, the fact that I have a lane that's just presented itself, like, I do other things besides jam band shit. But, like, now, it, it, now the goal is how do I write jokes and make content that is palatable for people that aren't into the specialized language, you know, like I've made a few different sketches that have made people pissed off with like, you know, the cap cut and TikTok settings. And it's like, they've gotten like 10 or 20,000 views consistently, 
you know, since I gained like a thousand new followers off that Trader Joe's bit. I mean, I caught up another clip from that same half hour about the fish poster community and it got 20,000. So it's like, I'm not too proud to, to, to make shit for a group of people because it's here, look at it this way. What's popular right now is heckler videos, right? Uh, but everybody's doing crowd work. Everybody's doing it. And, and for me, it's always been like once everybody starts doing it, it's hack, you know? And so like at least with the jam band shit, I don't know a lot of actual stand-up comedians that can do an hour of stand-up and make content like this. So like if you like what I make for the jam band scene and you come buy a ticket to my stand-up show, you're going to get a little bit of everything. You're going to get, you know, dark shit, clean shit, dirty shit, jam band shit. You know, like I, you know, I'm capable of doing crowd work. But to me, like I'm not knocking anybody who's got a career because well, of you it, need like a plan, bro. You need somebody out there to be like twiddles, twiddles better, bro. Dude, dude, I didn't even know there was still a band. <laughs> I didn't either, dude. Dude, people get so mad about that shit, dude. Well, it's twi I remember when Twiddle was getting popular, and it's like it was. Yeah, they the were the first shit. one that was like the handing of the torch, and people are like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's, well, it's well, it's what's happening with Goose. I, but I, I. No, 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 dude. Goose are real musicians, bro. That's a different story. Well, I'm. I'm not talking about the musicianship. Yell it. Oh, yeah, bro. I'm, oh, you I'm struck talking, a nerve, bro. No, no, no. No, no, no. Let, <laughs> let me finish. I'm talking about the, the, um, not that, not the, take the bands out of the situation. I'm talking about the infighting. You're, you're going straight to the music. Yeah. Which I would definitely. That's all I do. Are, I only go to Goose, the music. Goose are way better musicians than Twiddle. I mean, fuck. I, I saw Goose before Goose. I, I, this makes me sound like a hipster, but like I saw Goose before, like they really started blowing up. Like I saw them open for pigeons playing ping pong. Dude, that's such a heady thing to say, bro. I know, bro. <laughs> like, can well, I make? I was the I last. Make, can I make fun of Goose? I, dude, I haven't been in a bit. Yeah, yeah, go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, I just meant like people oh, are thought... like, you fucking Goose is great. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like if your if your thing is good, people are gonna poke fun at it. Like you should be a grown adult and like be Dude, able. What's to his like face? It. Made him his own guitar. Languid dog. This thing's fucking looks exactly like Trey's guitar with like the little boner tip cut off on the headstock. Dude, that's right. And they're they're talented dudes. I'm just talking. The infighting is very similar when Twil Twiddle got popular. Like, people are, no, it's not even the end. same thing, dude. It's like so fucking. No, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but it is the same thing. Spafford was like one of them. Yeah, um, flash in the pan. Spafford was. Uh, who um, else? There was like a bunch of these like up and comers. Um, what, dude, the last jam band I was in, shout out to Grant, Grant Martin. The last jam band I was in, my old bass player is now the bass player for um, Chicago jam band. Uh, Mungin, have you ever heard or seen of them? M U N G I O N. Yeah, I've seen the name float around. Um, they're not like huge, they, but they're good. I mean, they're good. You know, I definitely. Oh, yeah, I love music, man. Yeah, dude, I'd go to see a Twiddle show just as fast as I go see a Goose show. I like it all. Like that's the thing. Like, I wouldn't. I I, that's like, you're better than me, man. I would not go see Twiddle. You could not pay me right, to go look, see. 
Not because I'm an I, asshole, but because like I know music and I, I can't no, sit through that. Because you're a dick. I am a dick. <laughs> you're like I'm not an asshole. I'm just a dick. I'm just a music dick. But but but, but that's the thing. Like I I like everything. Like I'm not saying I like all music. I think that's a cop out. But like if you tell me a genre of music, if I've heard of it, I can tell you something that I like about it because music just really gets me going. You know, and I'm not saying I like all music. Like you couldn't pay me to go see you two at the sphere. Oh no. And I know they made a, a mistake. They should have gotten fish or goose or somebody. I mean I yeah, like but it's just but I I don't I, I don't uh I'm not trying to yuck anybody's yum that's going and experiencing the venue and I just have never forgiven you two for raping my iTunes with that album that nobody still plays of mine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, I look at comic book movies the same way. Like the comic book bug never bit me. Um, so I could go watch the flash movie. Like I went and saw it and I'm like, Oh, this is neat. And there's uh, Michael Keaton as old Batman. That's pretty neat. And then I see all these fucking neck beards go, uh, trash and, it's not canon, and bleh. I'm like, I don't know. No, nice. see, for me, it's like Scorsese got it right. Stop making that bullshit. Start making real films again. Uh, hey, man, I've I've lived in Hollywood for seven years, and Hollywood cares about one thing and one thing only. That is the dollar. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, when it's some, like talk, this like this talk Leo about, movie coming about, out though that look that movie's gonna do amazing because that's a real fucking movie and there hasn't been many of those coming out lately. I just saw I just watched Reptile on Netflix. I thought it was very good. It's a Benicio del Toro okay flick. I haven't uh, seen it's, it. Yet. It's good. It's like a, a it's Justin Timberlake's in it, which is kind of like all right, whatever. He's not bad, but the casting is just kind of jarring. Where it's like an actor like Benicio del Toro, you've seen him in so many things, but like you, you can jump on board with whatever character he's doing. And then Justin Timberlake, he does a fine job, but it's like it's like he's still Justin Timberlake, kind of sorta. Where you can't like you can't separate the two things while you're watching it, but it's still a good flick. Um, I just like stuff. Like that's the thing. Like I don't know, man. That's good, dude. Like, it's better to like stuff than to be a hater. Yeah, I, uh, you know, just like with spirituality and, and uh, uh, philosophy and like I, you know, um, I, my buddy Ryan Singer, who you would really enjoy, uh, he's got a um, he's got a, a podcast called Me and Paranormal You and he's a stand up comedian. He's brilliant. But he, he used to have this log line called It's More Fun to Believe. And like, oh, 100 percent, bro. He's not 100%. wrong. I'm not saying I am going to believe every yokel that said they got anal probed, you know, uh, but like, I think it's more fun to believe. And there's there's a new Bigfoot. There's a new Bigfoot video. People are flipping out about today that just came out today. I know. I I can't (laughs) wait because to me, it's just like, it's more fun to believe that there's a possibility than that. We're just the only rock floating in the universe that has any kind of intelligent life, you know, um, I appreciate philosoph- that. Yeah. I appreciate and from that. a philosophical standpoint too. It's just, you know, I've been really, I've been really doing a deep dive on Alan Watts shit. 
You know, uh, I just cracked open the way of Zen that he wrote in 56, I think. And a lot of what he's talking about and a lot of the tapes I'm listening to is very applicable today in 2023 as it was in the 70s when him and Ram Dass were trying to present Eastern philosophy and religion to the West. You know, and that's why I think it's a very foolish endeavor to think of a religion as the one and only good source of what everybody's trying to do is just just find inner peace. Yeah, well, that ain't happening anytime soon. Oh, out there. I, <laughs> I know. I, I, I want I, I'm on the same page as you, but. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. you you have eyes. We all have eyes. We see what's going on. Oh out there, yeah. It's oh yeah. Fucking yo, yo. disgusting. I'm a do. I'm a. I'm a do no harm, take no shit person. But like, yeah, like it is fucked up. The the mental hoops that people jump through, and I'm speaking in generalities, to to say we're the most righteous or we're the right. It's what aboutisms. It's just it allows yeah. you to like always circumvent taking any responsibility for anything. Yep. Yep. Yeah. If I'm gonna do some fucked shit, I'm gonna own that shit, you know? And it's like I uh I don't think anybody likes to take ownership uh of, of being wrong. I think that uh what what's been lost over the past ten years is leaving enough room in your brain that you might be wrong. Like I, I don't have many arguments with people. Like, I mean, I fuck with hate nerds in the comments cause it just boosts my algorithm. Like you and I were chit chatting about it before we did the podcast. It's just like, they don't understand that you hating on me in the comments only pushes the shit that you call garbage out to more people. Well, and, and cause so they're going to keep going back to check it too, to see if you've like commented or like answered back or something. So every time they do that, it's just giving you more impressions, more views. It'll keep running, you know? And it's like, you don't see that. Like, I mean, I've had a lot of really awful experiences in my life and trauma and things like that. So like, you know, like the death of my father in 2019, he was 59 years old, like no comment or bad set or insult you're going to throw my way is going to hurt even remotely. Not 1% as bad as that. So like you can try, um, but like I could, my give a fuck tank is so empty and like what, you know, and I know what we were kind of nodding at. And I'm not trying to turn this around and make it about me. But what I will say is this, like I've reached out to friends directly via text or DMs during what's happening right now, the atrocities that are happening, asking them how they're doing. What can I do to show up for you as a friend? Um, I don't need to change my profile picture to some cause because I think it's a lot of it's performative. Uh, not all, but it, it's it's the equivalent to me. No, it is, sometime. bro. It is. It's, I had to stop saying happy birthday to everybody on Facebook, or else you're gonna say happy birthday every fucking day to a new fucking person. Seriously, I I got caught in this loop. I'm like, if I say it for this, then this person's gonna know, and they're gonna get mad because I have a big family too. So it's it's fuck, yeah, bro. I um, it's a lot of it is the equivalent of taking a selfie while giving a homeless person a dollar. You should just give them the dollar. You should just give them the food. You should care that there's a human being. 
Yeah, those people have been I, I, caught like doing like a nice thing, and somebody's like doing like content making while they're doing the nice thing for. I mean, there. I mean, that's the thing. Me making fun of jam band shit sits a lot better in my heart than me uh, hate farming politics or religion or you know any other thing. Like this is such a privileged community, you know that it's a. For me, I'm punching at, at, at a, a very niche group of people that should be able to take a joke. Like, if you don't think it's hilarious that you care so much about a band that 80% of the world probably hasn't heard of, man, you need to look in the mirror, you know? Like, it's not... It's, yeah, I mean, look, if I'm being honest, getting when we were young, we were like newbie about it. We were very trusting of of hippies thinking like because we read like on the road and electric Kool-Aid acid tests. And we're like, oh, you know, and then we start going to fish tour and lots and shakedown. And dude, there is some straight up shade balls that are no, no better than any. Like, it's just another community. Like, that's what well, they've hide. Right. And, and it's it's shocking too when you realize like what's going on like the worst shit now people like there's big like nitrous mafia stuff and the balloons everywhere like that's obviously a hot topic yeah, but that's been around that's, that's been, been around for yeah, yeah yeah but i mean look <laughs> do what do whatever you're gonna do you know i don't care but like the, the the scene has been degraded over the years i don't care who what the fuck you say it used to be so ch- people used to go out of their way to share i remember buying like fake a fake dose at a fish show and like thinking to myself that's that's the turning point and then since then like i've i've looked at everybody like a fucking turd on on the lot you know like i'm done i'm done i uh you know i still think that there's a lot of beautiful experiences and people to be had in in the scene as long as they don't have to get to the next show though right well i i just think people human beings as a whole are hurting in a different way than they were in the 90s jam scene, right? People are addicted to harder chemicals. They're doing more desperate things. Oh, yeah, dude. You know? Fentanyl, we've lost a few friends to fentanyl. And let me tell you something. When I was younger, that none of that crossed our mind. Like, we would look at Irwid, nope. and that was our guiding light. And from there, we mm-hmm. just did shit. You know, like, it wasn't even, yeah, it wasn't no some thing. Of my, some of my more dastardly deeds is like I worked at a hotel as a bellman in Chicago, and sometimes I would pinch a pill or two out of someone's uh, suitcase. I would carry them up, and it would jingle, and you'd hear that sound. And I was never really a pill head. I just maybe it was boredom, you know. But like, and I wouldn't like jack someone's whole medication. But like, I I would grab like one or two, and I would write down the name of the. Uh, the, the the prescription and I would go on WebMD and I would like be like mm, heart medicine garbage oh tranquilizer I'm gonna eat that and there was a point where I knew all the prefix prefixes and suffixes of a lot of medications you know I would never do it to sell them you know whatever I had my own my own dirt bag boundaries with it all but now you know, what's it's that like your like, curb your enthusiasm where you're selling uh, underground prescription meds to other old people <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, I mean, we lost a bunch of we we lost a few comedians um, a few years back because the cocaine that they were doing was laced with fentanyl. Oh yeah, what's that chick's name? I used to follow her, I think, on Instagram. What? uh, Uh, She's uh, uh, forget. 
but yeah, there's a few people that um, yeah, passed away. and it's it's sad, you know. And it's like you can say, "Oh, test your drugs." We never did. You and I both know we played. What's this going to do to me? Yeah, like DXM pills, like that. That's that's the one I never. That's the one I never got into. So we, I never drank the the um, Robitussin or like. So when I went to school in Kalamazoo, uh, Michigan, my next door neighbor, they're kind of like these weirdo, you know, nerdy guys. They were making you know, like pure DXM pills. So like I, we made the mistake of taking these things uh, and then looking up the dosage and like, dude, we were idiots too. We were watching like Requiem for a Dream and Spun, like while we're spun the fuck out. Like the whole thing was just like, why are we doing this to ourselves? But then, you know, I don't know. I was like hallucinating and shitting my pants at the same time. It was terrible. In my high school, it was the triple C's, the chloroseed and coughing colds. Um, and I I was into getting fucked up. But like the only reason I didn't do those is because like I'm like, man, I get colds all the time and I don't want this shit to not work when I need it. <laughs> yeah. That was the only reason. That's a good I, bit I mean, right I there. Think, That's a good bit right there. I, I mean, there when I went to rehab, they're like make a list of all the drugs you've done. And I'm like, can I just list the ones I haven't done? It'll take a lot less time, you know, cause there was a time too, before I got sober where that synthetic cannabinoids was going around like the JWHs and, and then they would change it or like two yeah, CB. I never got CA. into Well, the, those, the two CB, like some of those, those are Sasha Shulgin compounds. Uh, so like some of those are like legit, but, but then that, like, but I'm just saying it was yeah, all happening yeah, around yeah. the same at the same blip in time where people were doing more of that. And like, I mean, it was like, just, I mean, I had a buddy who was like being paid by a local head shop to put the powder on the dry herb, bag it up. And like, and we, so we had access to like the bricks of the, the chemical and we would just like dozer our cigarettes in it and just like have to like melt it. And it just like ran black. Yeah. You know. like, what about salt? Like when we were younger, there was a stuff called Red Rocks. I'm pretty sure it was like incense that people said it was like an opiate. I don't know. And they would hot knife it. I'm like, this doesn't seem right, but I don't know enough to dispute it. Um, I um I never did that, but salvia was a definite thing that I did. Well, that was legal. On. That was legal in the pipe shops when we were younger. Yeah, it was like real gummy green, like yep. uh, or like wood, like like looked, greasy wood chips is what I would describe. Yeah, like greasy green wood chips. That's that's a yeah. good uh, or or greasy green pencil shavings, kind of sorta. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I remember. I remember just going, and this is before I even like delved into like like psychedelics per se. You know, I'm like 17, going, okay, I'll smoke this, and it's just like, holy fuck. Um. You know, like I, I've, you know, I ate a bunch of acid and saw further and, you know, I'm grateful I did that. No pun intended. Um, you know, uh, I do believe that psychedelics on some level, I tell everybody, you know, I, it might be uh, not typical sober behavior, but I encourage everybody to trip balls at least once because it really lets you know, like what your brain's capable of, you know? Well, we we talk a lot about this on the show. Obviously we do a lot of, we've talked to Rick Strassman and Andrew Gallimore, a lot of these scientists that are studying DMT and the brain and the mind and stuff. 
one thing that fascinates me about psychedelics as a topic, though, when you're talking about altered states of consciousness, psychedelics is the only thing you can do and still interact in a waking state with the world around you. Think about it. Sleep, meditation, lucid dreaming, um, near-death experiences, all those other altered states of consciousness all involve being incapacitated. But psychedelics doesn't for the most part, unless you're doing like freebasing DMT and you, you know, you lay back or whatever. But other than that, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Cause I'm not there as far as like a, a, a dear friend of mine who was one of the original war frats. Um, when I was first getting sober, he was long time sober at the time. And the war frats are just the grateful dead sober following, which was the, 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 the grandfather of all the yellow balloon sober groups that you see today. Um, the war frats was, was also the original name of the grateful dead. You know, I thought the warlocks, warlocks. warlocks. That's my yeah. fault. Warlocks. I don't know why I was a war, yeah. war frats, the song. I don't know. Well, the, the, well the song war frat is uh, one no. day I'm going to get up and I'm going to live the life I should, which is yeah. what the moniker. Uh, uh, but I've, I've digressed. Uh, I, so I was talking to Doug <laughs> I and I, I, I uh, was talking to Doug and I said, Doug, I'm all about not drinking. And I'm even all about not smoking weed anymore, but it's like, I'm finding it very hard to accept that I can never trip balls again. And he goes, David, I felt the same way. He's like, but I'm going to tell you this. I've meditated to places that drugs could never take me to. It just takes practice and time. So I can't speak on psychedelics being the only way to interact with the world around you in a psychedelic state because I've not done the work to meditate to a place where being a high functioning, I guess for lack of better terms, getting high. So he's, so he, he's saying that when he meditates, like after he's done meditating, he starts to like walk around and be a normal person. He's still in some sort of altered state of being. I'm not saying this is what he said. I'm oh. saying I believe in the possibility to, oh, to do that. I got you. I'm just saying it takes time and I can't speak. I, I don't, you know, I'm a novice meditator. Uh, I've uh, only been sober 11 years. Uh, I'm trying to constantly expand my understanding of my body and my mind with the, with the cards that have been dealt to me. Um, but I will say this. Um, I've, I've done breathwork meditations, uh, AKA bougie hyperventilating, um, where you get fucking high on your I, own supply. I did it live on the show. I believe I'm right there with you, bro. This shit's crazy. Yeah, I yeah. never did it before. Um, I'm like, this is fucking nuts. I've done it in groups of people, uh, where, where, uh, a, a buddy of mine named JP would do these breathwork classes and you got mostly women, uh, but a few men um, in Santa Monica laying on the floor and like 40 minutes of intense guided breathing meditations and you just start weeping and you access forgiveness in such a way that it's very hard to do um, um, uh, regularly. And so it's like I, I leave the door of willingness and curiosity open for me and I try to operate uh, what might not be right for you could be right for me. What's right for me might not be right for you. You know, if, if you stay inquisitive about what your chemical brain box needs, um, I, I think you have a better chance than most. Uh, but once you shut the door of willingness, then it's like, 
you're really just treading water. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, with all of this stuff, obviously comes down to, as you said, we're all different. Like when it comes to psychedelics, we're all different. Different doses, right. different chemicals, compounds work different with different people. It's all about that toolbox. What works for you? What's yeah. the, you know having the the tools? Like you said, your buddy from the Wharf Rats. You know, some things you know you need. Multiple I love things. sensory deprivation tanks. I think they're fucking amazing. If I had a bunch of money, I would fucking have one in my garage. Uh, sensory deprivation tank. Like, uh, I think that's a very quick way to access parts of your brain. Have you tried that, uh, like, that it... Ajna light or the Lucia light? No, what is that? There are these lights that simulate, like, a psychedelic. Sp- they use it for, like, anxiety therapy and stuff like that. But these lights that, like, simulate the psychedelic experience. And it does work. I know people that, like, do DMT. They're like, yeah, you can produce similar effects with this. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I believe in uh, the different sound frequencies. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of snake oil salesmen in the world. But like, uh, again, it goes back to what my buddy Ryan Singer says. It's more fun to believe and investigate. And like, you know, what a what a time to be alive where like you can YouTube every Alan Watts lecture or every Ram Dass lecture or have people that like studied meditation and yoga. Like, I think it's all fun. You know, uh, uh, again, like I'm a do no harm, take no shit person, you know, so it's like yeah. I, I think it's hard enough to 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 be a human. I think a lot of the pain that's caused is because it's like we really don't have any natural threats anymore besides ourselves, you know. <laughs> no, it's true, man. That's part of us evolving, I believe, even with the technology is having all that time and space too much to think and Mm -hmm. and we're not used to it we're used to fighting off and planning and defending and all sorts of shit so yeah i mean it's a Taoist principle that the only place free of suffering is the present moment you know and it and it takes time and it's a muscle that you have to exercise the drifting from past to future to like bring yourself gently back to the present moment. And for me, who I do have an ADD brain, like doing breath work, it, it really works for me, you know? Um, and like being able to now know how to do breathing meditations just in my daily, you know, just to like, if I'm starting to feel spun up about something that I can't control, um, you know, all just that take, stuff you know, works. Wim Hof, mm-hmm. The breathing stuff, oh, the ice my, baths. My buddy, yeah. my buddy is a big Wim Hof dude, and it's like, man, I hate cold water. So like, I, you can I mean, induce it though, man. Like you're saying, like you're talking about, like Alan Watts. I love listening to all that stuff, but like you know, even Terrence McKenna said, we're all holding. We all have this endogenous. We mm-hmm. our body produces all these psychoactive compounds, including DMT. Who's not to say that we're not you know when you do kundalini or breath work or whatever that you're not mm-hmm. tapping into that oh 100 percent. and i think everybody's got different access points um but i think i ramdas was uh uh quoted in saying like you know you're already enlightened you already have everything you're already everything that you could possibly need and want there's no there's no outward uh force that that is going to give you any more or less and you know i'm a workaholic by nature so like i'm having to try to retrain myself to be gentle 
Like my, I, 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 I'll make shirts one day, but like, I literally want to make a shirt that says, be fucking gentle to yourself, you know, because as a Midwesterner, I've got this inner dialogue from, you know, you know, you know, being hit as a child and, and, and being bullied where it's this intrusive thought of you're not good. Like, that's another thing that's funny to me about people who hate comment. I'm like, I'm like, you couldn't hate me more than I hate me sometimes. Uh, and people try. And it's just laughable to me. I'm like, you, uh, you unoriginal fucks. <laughs> what did I, what did I message you though? I told you, I said, it's, I don't care about any of the hate mail. I, and I do get hate mail, especially lately because I've been critical of some of these, you know, fringe snake oil people. Anyways, aside from that, the worst thing that I can see <laughs> is usually when they make the comment that's true like it's like a real critique and you're like fuck but there's like a little bit of a meanness to it you're like that motherfucker got me he fucking got me yeah that's you know it's i don't it's one of those things where if you read the comments and when you're a small account there to some degree you have to engage to a point oh that's 100 percent. people that say you don't they don't know what the fuck they're talking about yeah um or they're lucky what the ones, it's like death by a thousand cuts. It's like, it's not necessarily the first or even the 29th. It's just that one, the ones that get me, which is leaving me open, uh, 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 is when someone is trying to make a compliment, but like hiding a dig in it, you know? Um, it's not. It's not necessarily true. It's like, uh, good joke, but have you ever thought about doing it this way? It's like I've thought about every single fucking way to do the joke. And it's like not necessarily like I'm open to suggestions. It's just the way you're doing it. And then when I call you out and you're like, oh, well, you can't. bro, I just didn't think a comedian could not take a joke or some. You know, I, I figured you'd want criticism. Fuck you. You know, you're not my peer. It's always these needle dick, never made nothing that anybody ever fucking cared about to even hate. You've never, you've never been vulnerable enough to create anything to yeah, have that's, it be hated. That's by. what I was going to say earlier too. And I forgot to mention is like, you're talking about all the trolls and stuff. Like the people that are the trolls are actually the most unoriginal pieces of shit. They're not creative themselves. So that's their creativity is like finding ways to take digs at people online because that's yeah. the only way people are going to see what they're saying or yeah. doing or whatever. No, nobody who is your creative equal will hate on you or your creative superior or someone creating to try to get to where you are. No one like that is going to hate because they're too busy making their own shit. Like, honestly, my friends are even too busy to comment support. So when I get support from my other comedian friends with big followings and blue check marks, it's like, it's nice to see, you know, like, and that doesn't, you know, I've done this business one handshake at a time, you know, and I'm always willing to do a podcast. I'm always willing to talk to people. Uh, I'm working on a new joke right now. And it goes along with a bit I do about true crime, but it's like, it's to me, it seems very bold to be talking shit to strangers on the internet when your whole fucking family and location is just two clicks away. I'm not saying I'm gonna do anything, but you're telling me as someone with very little uh, uh, investigative journalism under their belt, you're telling me you feel completely okay with 
egging someone on who might be a little bit more mentally unwell than me. Like I, I've, re- I've read enough true crime. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, oh yeah, like my it, my wife makes all... me watch all that shit, dude. I've seen all that. Mindhunter. That should be enough to shut all that shit down. But it's just like, what a fucking brazen thing to to talk shit to a stranger uh, that's just trying to be in their own little world and make shit. Like, I'm not going to do it, but someone with a little bit more free time than me could find your entire family. Yeah. You know, like that because you're you're a reasonable, sensible person. So like that's that's the difference. Like that person. Yeah, it's like you're lucky I've gone to therapy, bro. Like you're lucky. Like I mean, like uh, like specifically. That's the bit you start off. You're like, dude, this could totally. And by the end, you're like, I'm gonna fucking do it. I'm coming. I'm coming over. (laughs) No, I saw the comment. I, I, I know. I've I've just for funsies because I'm. I mean, there's this whole thing, too. I think it's uh, Robert A. Johnson who talks about the shadow self, Um, and it's very good. Uh, And shadow work is basically making friends with that dark part of yourself that everybody has that we just try to mute and stuff down. Because, like, I I don't want to kill or hurt anybody, but I, I don't get it twisted. There's a part of me that is capable of it. You know, Ooh. <laughs> no, I mean, it's no, just, that's sure. the reality. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just the reality. Yeah. It's just like, I don't want to, but you're a fool if you think that we're not capable of it. Dude, we're all animals. I mean, Again, look at what's going uh-huh. on out there. Like, that's that's what gets I, me is like, yeah. if 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 if, relig- if all the religions were true, let's just say hypothetically all the religions were true, not to go on a tangent here, and we'll wrap it up soon. But let's just say they're all true. What are you? They all tell you like to not kill and do that. Like all of these people are doing the opposite of like what their own religions are telling them to do. It makes no sense. Well, it's it's the same thing. It's just like the people spin whatever they need to and jump through the mental hoops to feel good and prove themselves to be righteous and good. When in in reality, all the religions themselves are all the same. It's just we're all just tr- supposed to be one. I think it was I an evolutionary was mechanism, and I think we're we're growing out of it. I, I'm not saying there won't be a god or spirituality or anything. I just think that whatever no. these versions are, I don't think this is going to last very long. What, well, there was a there's a practice, and I encourage anybody to do it, um, called two way prayer, um, and it's about connecting with uh, the god within. And it's basically what you do is you sit down with a notebook and you write out a question to what your higher power or God or universe is to you. And then you sit and you meditate on that question. And then when you come out of meditation, you try to free write and answer that question in the voice you think your God or higher power has for you. And it's a very interesting practice because a lot of the time what comes out is not my inner monologue. And I don't do this practice regularly, but the times I have done it, it's a very remarkable process to tap into, you know, the inner, the inner goodness, or as Robert A. Johnson calls it, the inner gold. I think we all have this inner gold where people are seeking 
um, you know, a friend asked me, like, do you feel like it's a voice coming from outside of you? I said, no, I feel like it's a voice coming from within me that's not me. And I think that consciousness in general, and there is a kind, loving inner voice that is, is love and support inside you, but it gets bogged down by your experiences and your, your, uh, your, your place of birth and your uh, orientation, all these things that are, are just so far from, you know, just being your own best friend and, and you know, um, just trying to see yourself and everybody like I I still like I got a lot of anger in me for a lot of different reasons but like I the best I can get most days is like I have empathy I just don't have sympathy anymore like I can empathize I just don't have sympathy and that's a clear distinction I make so I can see someone as a sick person operating from a place of mental illness and not necessarily because they disagree with me but because they're clearly acting in such a way that's an indication of mental illnesses. Like I can have empathy for that person that they're hurting. I can even say, I think you're hurting. And, um, but I don't have to, I don't have to, I don't feel sorry for that person. Have you ever yeah. read uh, The Bicameral Mind? Mm -mm. You should check it out. It's kind of like what you're saying. Like there's this psychologist, um, Julian James uh, from, mm -hmm. I think the late sixties wrote this book called uh, the bicameral mind where he talks about how his theory or hypothesis has to do with that. There was two different parts of your brain. There was the man and then the God, like the two different hemispheres. And then at one point they marry, but back before we were like these such civilized ph philosophical pondering the universe, there was our understanding. Like when you go back to thinking like, who were these gods? Like, where are these gods that there was, this other hemisphere of the brain telling these people whether it was like a version of schizophrenia or whatever, but that, that, mm -hmm. that, that the God would be like the authority. So like the man would consider something and then the God would come in and like say yes or no or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Kind of yeah. I think it's just all a attempt at, um, wrangling, uh, a fucking very powerful, uh, entity which is the human mind like just and trying to get it to operate uh you know like when when most people you know unalive themselves as the kids say what do they do and that's where the that's where that's where they're trying to shut this up you know i'm not saying that's all but it's just it's a very common way is is you go where you go where the pain is you know, um, and, and drug use and alcoholism. And a, a lot of that is to, for me, I can only speak for me. It was a way to slow my brain down. Like I listened and read a lot of Hemingway and Hemingway had a quote, in one of his novels, uh, that sometimes a smart man has to stay drunk to be around fools. And like, I literally thought really, really quickly. And, and I didn't, I necessarily think I was much better or worse than anybody, but I would stay consistently fucked up just to slow my brain down enough to fucking function, you know? So yeah, man, to anybody who's trying to improve or find comfort in, in, in self betterment or different avenues of, of, of inner peace, you know, I, 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 I support you a hundred percent because it's not easy being a human. It's just no, hot. it's hard. And I don't know. It's a, it's a tough world out there. And 
you know, we've all got different philosophies, you know, and we've all got different thoughts and how we want to live our lives and how other people should live their lives, you know? So, um, we're all just trying to do our best, you know, that's why we do this show. Mind escape is to like, you know, get outside and look at outside of ourselves. Like what's going on with each of these topics? Like where, who are we, where do we come from? Where are we going? You know, like, and I, and I love having discussions about things. Um, it's less and less that you're able to have a heated, or a spirited, that's spirited is better terminology, a spirited debate on things, you know? Um, Because again, like I still keep the doors of willingness in my mind open and I always leave room for the fact that I might be wrong. And, you know, know, always remain teachable. I I think remaining teachable is a worthwhile endeavor. Yeah. No, I I agree, man. And we can wrap it up here. Uh, uh, but you're welcome on the show anytime. We'd love to have you back on sometime in the future. Continue this. Maybe get a little. We'll get Maurice on here because he was the comic relief when you know he was on regularly. So maybe we can get some jokes. <laughs> well, and that's what people like. Uh, like I'm not. I don't. I have an off switch. You know. Like I I like talking. About Dude, this it. is real, bro. I don't give a shit about any fluff. Yeah. You. I don't want you to come no, on and do your I, bits I for the whole time. To, I don't. Or, you know. Yeah, I don't miss. I don't listen to many comedy podcasts because it's just like again, like I do so much of it. Like I carry myself in such a way where I love making my friends laugh in, in opportune times, but like. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like people have told me, like you're much different off stage. I'm like, yeah, because up there is work. Like you're not paying me to work, and if I want to make you laugh, like that's like just because I want to do it. <laughs> yeah, so. it's like that. Uh, I keep going back to it, but curb your enthusiasm. There's that one episode where he's like, uh, you know, hey doctor, can you just because he's like, can you look at this thing on my neck real quick? He's like, uh, he's like, no, I don't have time. He's like, what? He's like, you're a doctor, just real quick, take a look. He's like, what do you do? He's like. I'm a comedian. He's like, why well, don't you write me some shit for free or something like that? And like walks away. Yeah. Like, but yeah, man, I mean, I totally get it, dude. And listen, I love your, your, your bits. Everybody go check out his Instagram page. He's got tons of clips on there. Do you have a YouTube yeah, channel? I do. So just search Dave Yates comedy on YouTube. There's longer versions of jokes uh, and clips. And so whatever your social media poison of preference is, you can find my shit. Um, I'm always doing shows. I'm based in Southern California, so I do most of my stand-up out here. Uh, but this coming weekend, or, well, the 12th, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, and then I'm in Chicago for three nights doing a Saturday, uh, uh, the October 14th comedy show at 1 p.m. before the fish from Vermont uh, blow the roof off the United Center. Oh, Nice. Yeah, we, we should talk about that next time you come on. Those are the last two fish shows I went to, 2017 at, uh, what is it, the uh, Miggs Airfield? I don't know what it's called now. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 um, uh, Northerly Highland. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that dude, That I've got like five crazy stories from two of those shows, but we could talk about that oh, another yeah. time. But uh, right. yeah, man, I really appreciate you coming on. Check out his hot sauce, hahahotsauce.com. Check him out. He uh, he's got all of his links on his Instagram, his YouTube, his you know everything. He's on X. I just started yeah. following him on X. We're streaming yeah. this on X right now, yeah. so you, you can get my you can get my album on Apple Music or Spotify. It's What's the name of your one album? Long, one long merch pitch. One long merch pitch. Awesome. Check that out. And if you want to support Mind Escape, the best way to do it is to go to the link tree link down below. 
And all of our links are there. Please check out our documentary, As Within, So Without, from UFOs to DMT. It is free on our YouTube channel. We do have a director's cut on our Patreon, as well as exclusive content. Um, and yeah, if the best way to support Mind Escape, if you're watching live on YouTube, is to check out our other platforms. So we're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We do have video podcasts on Spotify. Please leave us a nice review. And if you're listening on an audio platform, please check out our YouTube. We do all of our shows live. So uh, really appreciate everybody. I'm going to play the trailer for our documentary as we get out of here. And I really thank you again, Dave, for coming on and just being real and uh, laying it all out there. We look forward to you know, you blowing up when we see you on hey. Rogan and, you know, all these other podcasts soon. We'll know, hey, fish dude made it. And yeah. then I'll tell you what, if you get on Rogan, dude, you got to blast this dude because he has the worst taste in fucking music, dude. And he always blasts the dead and fish and all that shit. He doesn't know what the oh. fuck he's talking about. Jo- Joe's a really nice guy. Oh, he's super nice, I'm sure, but he yeah, does not know I, music. Uh... Well, you know, he knows certain things better than other people about certain things. Uh, oh, but yeah, a couple, yeah, yeah. A couple good friends of mine are, are really good friends with him, and he takes care of his people. So think what you want to think. People think, think what they want to think about him uh, and his, his public persona. But I know from like a real uh, place that he's a very... A kind and generous man. So, oh, a hundred percent, I believe. I, I'm strictly attacking his music. Uh, his yeah, mu- his I, music taste. You know, I don't listen to. Like, I don't want to listen to him for five hours. So I, I can't say that I know. I would have just assumed he likes metal. <laughs> no, no, no. So, so like he. I mean, he likes. He's eclectic. I, I don't want to get too much. But he, there's a few. I've I've heard more than a few times where he'll be like, yeah, like Bert loves the dead, and I don't. I don't fucking get it. Like, what do you have to like take acid to like, you know, listen to it? I just you don't, don't have to, but it, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying it's like those like, you know, old school talking, but like he's, he's against reefer madness and he's using the same shit against whatever. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He's reefer madnessing the dead. Yeah, he is. All right, well, man. Well, uh, listen, maybe I'll see you on, maybe I'll see you on goose tour. <laughs> yeah. Goose tour. Exactly. You're, hey, man, maybe you'll be opening up for Goose. There you go. Well, maybe one day. There you go. All right, man. Care, well, thank you so much, Dave. We really appreciate it. And uh, we love everybody. Stay safe out there and spread peace and love. This is nonsense. Everybody just love each other. I know it sounds cliche, but we got to turn this thing around. This is the only one we got. So love everybody. Out, everybody. Peace. I don't have to believe something's here. There's no question about that. They are not just from this planet, but based on the characteristics they're most often described having, that they're simply us from the future. It was um, the biggest aircraft I've ever seen in my entire life. It was semi-translucent, it seemed. We see four orange orbs flying one after another, basically in formation. Um, I think in a way, you know, you could call a UFO a flying dream. Out of the cornfield, that seven foot tall, gray, menacing, communion looking alien, or whatever you want to call it. Because it can be a multitude of things, of deities, of godlike creatures, of aliens. The reality that we experience on a day to day basis seems to be this very, very thin slice of something far larger and far more complex. As within, so without from UFOs to DMT.